When we're together dancing cheek to cheek. That's the song you sing in the movie, right? From the movie? Haven't a clue. Oh. <laughs> and I've literally just watched it. Okay. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, this is Make It A Podcast. My name's Evan. And I'm Katie. Katie, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired. The use. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty... Look, I'm not going to say that I'm sick of living, right? Because I'm not, obviously I'm not, but like I'm just sick of life as a construct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just sick of life and I'm just in my feelings and I'm just pissed off, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually fine. I'm just, it's just been one of those weeks so far. And it's not very long into the week, but it's just been a week. How yeah. are you, Evan? I am good, pretty tired myself, but I am, I'm excited. I'm in full holiday mode, weekend away mode, because Paris on Friday, finally. But so it's like, I've always wanted to go, so it's like a total dream come true. So, you know, I'm going to have, this is Evan in Paris, you guys. Hashtag Evan in Paris, if you want to put that out there. Yeah, hashtag Um, Evan in Paris, can't we? (laughs) There you go. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm just in full, like, go, go, go mode right now, you know? Yeah, oh, it'll be so good. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait. It's going to be so amazing. Can I wait to eat the Are you doing Disney or are you just doing Paris? Just Paris. Oh, okay. Disney? I can't afford Disney right now. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I was just wondering. Yeah. Everyone keeps asking me that and I'm like, no, just Paris. But, you know, it's cool. I get the, I get where uh, you're at. No, definitely is. It'll be nice. Yeah. Okay. So now on to a bit of pop news. <laughs> Okay, so we're here. We are. So, um, Bet and Joan, Nikki and Cardi, Peggy Mitchell, and Pat Butcher. Some feuds are just too iconic to forget. However, <laughs> we might want to forget this one. So, after an interview with the 1975, where Matty Healy talks about rapper Ice Spice trying to slide into his DMs, he and his bandmates appeared to refer to her as. Hawaiian, Inuit, Chinese, and mocking the accents of each heritage. Uh, I'll just read it here. Uh, Later in the podcast, the British singer encouraged the host to do impressions of Japanese people working in concentration camps, which he also joined in on himself. Unsurprisingly, Healy and the podcast host were met with some massive backlash uh, from fans, some of who claimed Healy had gone too far called the discussion fucking gross and disgraceful behavior. And Youngblood alluded to the podcast when he shared this on Twitter. He said, love listening to three privileged white dudes sit around and objectify a young black females uh, artist who's blowing up. Welcome to your 30s, I guess. So Maddie Healy was uh, not happy about this and decided to respond. So I'm actually going to play the video here. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go. Dad, guys, I'm so fucking angry. Someone's blowing themselves up in, in the fucking air uh, in the Ukraine. And uh, we're, I'm not, we're not going to stand for that because we're the fucking children. The, the fucking underrated youth fucking generation. And that's what we stand for. Well, I... I don't um I don't stand for stuff, I stand against stuff. I don't there's not a particular 
It's not a particular thing that I stand for. I just stand against stuff, and it, it tends to be the most morally obvious stuff. You know, like that every that everyone that everyone stands for. Fuckhead, fuckhead, patriarchy. Where are you? <laughs> Should I feel bad? Okay, I got a 1975 ticket today and it's Gold Circle. I'm very excited. Should I feel bad about buying a 1975 ticket? Look, it's it's not as serious, but it's kind of taking it back to the Chris Brown debate, you know? <laughs> it's not that oh, serious. I was going to bring that up, but then I was like, no, I can't, it can't be triggered. But it's like that in the sense of you're not going for Matty Healy or going for the music and that's okay. Yeah. In my opinion. Um... On this side, on this side, like it's a, in my personal opinion, it's okay because you're not going to. I know you are like by proxy supporting Mahili because it's his band, mm-hmm. but you're gone for you. And like they say in all the corny dating shows, you have to look after you. you know? <laughs> she did that so, hand thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> you're number one. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, so, that's that. Yeah, so I guess that's true. And I was going to bring up the Chris Brown thing, but then I was like, no, I cannot be triggered. I will not be triggered right now. That's okay, don't be triggered. I'm just, I was just using it for the same context. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. But obviously this is just... Yeah, oh, like how fragile is his ego though, that he had to make that video? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just so fragile. Wait, did the 1975 not already play over here? They played in January, but they're doing another. They're doing a summer show in Saint Anne's Park, which is like ten minutes from my house in mm-hmm. June. Okay. Um. Why do you like Ireland so much? I'm asking. That's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, yeah, so I don't know what this podcast was. So apparently, this the things that happened were not very good. Mm-hmm. And then Youngblood decided he never actually mentioned them directly, but obviously. Well, the shoe. <laughs> Where? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my he's just. Uh... Yeah, he's just like an egotistical freak. Um, and I'm sorry if that's offending everybody, but that's my opinion. He's not great. He's not a great man. Not a great human being. Very talented. Not, he is. He's quite talented. Um, mm-hmm. he has something going on. He's, mm-hmm. Like front man up to nineteen seventy five, and they've done so well for a long time. But you know he's questionable as a person, and that's okay. Well, it's not, but like as in, you know, it happens. Yeah, it does happen. So I'm gonna move on because I need to, you know, yeah, not be yeah. triggered again. Uh, yeah, yeah. so we're gonna move on. Um, so we're gonna talk. She has dedicated. She has a dedicated fan base. And is on a critically acclaimed TV show, but it looks like no one can just let Selena Gomez be. In a TikTok uh, live video, Selena addressed a criticism against her weight gain. She responded saying that her medication to treat her lupus uh, made her gain weight. In the video, she says, I just wanted to say and encourage anyone out there who feels any sort of shame uh, for exactly what they're going through and no one knows the real story. She continued saying, I would much rather be healthy and take care of myself and my medications are important and I believe they are what helps me. I'm not a model and I never will be. I mean, I disagree. I think she is a model. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think she could be a model if she 
went for a model job. Um, I know what she means. She means like she's not like a runway model. Um, like Victoria's Secret because there are plus size models I'm not saying she's plus size I'm just saying you know that is a concept that's out there but um, yeah look everyone's different shapes and sizes for a reason like not everybody's meant to fit into a certain category mm-hmm. and it's nobody else's place to ever point it out that's, that's my opinion that's, that sums it all up I think yeah that's my whole opinion just leave the girl alone <laughs> That's Stop being jealous. Stop being jealous. We all want to be her. You'd switch with her like well, <laughs> like I know she is going through lupus and it's not funny, but you'd still switch in a heartbeat. Career wise, um, yes. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Most people would switch her life. Yeah. In a heartbeat. So shut up and leave her alone. <laughs> Absolutely. So you sum it up. So we're gonna move on. This is kind of a similar one. Uh, so since her breakout roles in films like Bridesmaids and Pitch Perfect. Rebel Wilson's career has gone from strength to strength. The Australian actress sat down with the Call Her Daddy podcast and explained how being locked into a franchise like the Pitch Perfect films meant she could not lose weight. She said, I couldn't lose a massive amount of weight because it was in the contracts. I had been thinking for a while that I want to get healthier and I was stereotyped as the funny fat friend. Mm. That is true. She was like her character name was quite literally fine yeah um but also health doesn't equate the way your body looks um and if like losing weight made her feel better which i'm sure it did great mm-hmm. i'm happy for her but you know again it's not the be all and end all and i hope she feels good now that she's not part of the franchise anymore absolutely and she's just got engaged actually she did that's amazing <laughs> congrats rebel if you're listening Absolutely. So, uh, Katie, I'm going to let you introduce this week's topic. Okay. So, it's been a while since we've done something a little more on the serious side. But this week, we thought we'd change it up a bit and bring it back to 1935 and take a stroll along the Green Mile. So, Evan, what is your history with the Green Mile? So, the Green Mile... It was always on TV, like it was always like an RTE, BBC job, like always on the telly. And I didn't, I kind of saw bits of it when I was a kid, but I referred to it, I didn't know the name of the film for years. And obviously when I was a kid, I referred to it as the film with the, this is how I described it, the big guy and the little mouse. Aww. Which is kind of innocent given the kind of film it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then obviously years later when I was a teenager and actually you know could watch it I think I sat down I watched it on my laptop and um, then I think when I was in college I read the discovered it was a book and read the book um, mm-hmm. and I'll get to my thoughts on that later but yeah so I've I've seen the film I read the book and I originally thought it was a film about a big man and a tiny mouse oh that's so cute so what is your history with the green mile Mine is very similar in the sense of, like, I always remember seeing it on, like, TV3 and RT, like, on the listens and stuff, and, like, would see, like, little snippets. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I had a, a sleepover with my, like, a sleepover in my friend's house, mm-hmm. and we were, like, we were genuinely, like, no more than 13, I'd say. And, like, it was her favourite film. And she was like, oh, let's put on the Green Mile. But I think we all fell asleep before we watched it. Yeah. So I didn't literally today, like I finished this film about seven minutes before we started this. 
<laughs> so it's like fresh in my room. That's my first kind of with my first time seeing it and like actually knowing the story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my history. Not very long. Not very long, but I'm gonna take all of you back through the history <laughs> of um the Green Mile. Katie, are you ready? I am ready. So the film opens with a number of uh men running through a field, and then we get the title card at the Green Mile. Paul Edgecombe uh wakes up in an old folks' home and says good morning to Esther. Esther? Ethel, sorry. Um no, Estelle, sorry, what am I saying? Um, he orders breakfast and we find out he walks but no one ever knows where he's going so he grabs his coat and heads on a walk Uh, he heads out to the woods to an old shed so back at the nursing home later on uh, the residents are watching Jerry Springer Uh, he sits there as the TV plays with something on his mind a film plays uh, Top Hat and uh, it's trigger something in him Uh, S. Elaine asks what's on his mind and they sit they uh, get sit down and talk and he begins to tell her of his days as a prison guard. So then we cut to uh, 1935, the Cold Mountain Penitentiary. Uh, a young Paul is uh, take is taking a leak and struggling. John Coffey uh, arrives. He's a prisoner and Paul is warned about him. So Paul asks John if there's any trouble. John speaks and gets uh, put into his cell. Um, Paul Paul asks John if there's going to be any trouble uh, Paul sends Percy away a prisoner smiles at him and he hits the prisoner they have a conversation and John is locked in his cell Paul and the other guards talk about John Coffey and say he deserves to fry for what he's done we learn that John allegedly kidnapped and murdered two girls the farmers go hunting for these girls and they find an old doll this is a flashback John is seen screaming holding the girls bodies and crying Paul finishes uh, reading John's transcripts. So Paul talks to uh, Hall, uh, Hal Moore about Percy. Paul and John, his wife, are up late listening to the radio. Paul and the other guards see a mouse running through the prison. The guards clear clear out the room to catch the mouse. The mouse is running through the prison and Percy sees this. The mouse is being fed and Percy tries to kill him. Paul and the other guard run into the prison and find Percy looking for the mouse. Harry tells Percy uh, off alongside Paul and Brutus. Paul warns Percy. Toot Toot, a prisoner, is uh, praying on his knees with the guards. And then we get, we get an electric chair scene. So they're preparing a prisoner for his death sentence. Paul sits with another prisoner, Bitterbook, and he tells him about his wife. It's now time for Bitterbook's execution. They prepare him and power up the chair. Paul and Percy talk, and Percy wants to be in charge of the next execution. John is in his cell crying. Paul gets the the other guards to come and see the mouse on a prisoner's shoulder. The prisoner's name, uh, the prisoner's name, the mouse, Mr. Jingles. Uh, Percy sees the mouse on Dell's shoulder. Percy suggests that they get a cigar box and make a bed for Mr. Jingles. So Hal wants to see Paul. Hal tells Paul of a new prisoner, uh, Will Wharton, a.k.a. Wild Bill. Hal tells Paul that his uh, wife is going to die. Paul gets out of the bed at night uh, to, to head out. To the outhouse, but he struggles with urination. The guards meet Will Wharton. They strip him down and put him in a prison uniform. The phone rings as Will is brought into a prison. Paul stands outside an open cell, uh, sweating as John watches. Will starts to fight the prison guards, and Paul tries to put him in a cell. Will is holding a guard hostage as Paul holds a gun to him. The fight ends, and Will gets thrown into his cell. <laughs> 
So Paul falls to the floor and lies there. John asks to see Paul, but is not a but it is not a good time. Paul is standing in front of John's cell and he grabs him. The light comes on and explodes. Dale screams for help. Uh, John coughs and flies come out of his mouth. Paul asks what John just did to him and he told him he helped. Then Paul goes to use the bathroom and has no issues. Paul goes home to his wife and he unties her apron and other things. Uh, Paul calls in sick to work. Paul heads to the farmhouse to talk to Hammersmith about John Coffey. He talks about his kids and shows his son's bad eye. Paul brings John some cornbread. John says he will share some of the bread with Dell and Mr. Jingles. So Will calls John the N-word and Paul warns him. Uh, Will spits in Paul's face. Will pisses on a prison guard, Harry. Uh, Will is ready to fight, but Harry sprays him with the hose. The guards put him in the back room. The next day, Will says he's learned his lesson. So then Tutut gives Will a snack for a nickel. Will spits chocolate in another man's face. Will gets dragged to the back room again. The guards take Dale and Mr. Jingles to meet the state senate. Uh, Percy is preparing for an execution. So Dell tells Paul about his day with Mr. Jingles. Percy taunts him and they laugh. So Percy scares him and Dell falls over. Will tells Percy, uh, gets Percy in a headlock and he whispers in his ear. Percy pees himself and Dell laughs. So Percy tells Dell to keep on laughing. Um, Paul discusses what to do with Mr. Jingles uh, with Dell. They tell Dell they'll take him to a tourist attraction. So Brutus feeds Dell lies about a mouse circus. Percy steps on Mr. Jingles, who is uh, running after a, a roll. Dell screams after seeing this happening, and the guards lock the cell. So John wants wants the mouse. Paul picks it up off the floor and gives it to John. Brutus and the other guards witness John bring Mr. Jingles back to life. The flies come out of John's mouth, and John sends Mr. Jingles back to Dell. Percy finds out Mr. Jingles is okay, but thinks Paul is playing a game. Percy sees that Mr. Jingles is alive, and uh, he says he was switched. Paul uh, pushes Percy up against the wall. Paul gives Percy a warning. Dell is with Mr. Jingles in his cell and Dell puts the mouse on Paul's shoulder. So Paul gives Mr. Jingles to John Coffey and it's time for Dell's execution. Dell says his final words. Percy makes him cry. Percy goes to wet the sponge for Dell's head but doesn't do it. So Paul notices the sponge isn't wet. Dell gets shocked and John feels it. John is squeezing his hand and Mr. Jingles escapes. The viewers try to es- uh, escape as Dell continues to get shocked. Hal tries to calm everyone down. Dell is finally dead and his face is burnt to a crisp. Percy says he didn't know the sponge had to be wet and Brutus punches him. So Hal yells at the guards. Will is singing in his cell and tearing up the pillow. Paul warns him to shut up. Paul talks to John who is crying and tells Dell and tells him Dell was the lucky one. John tells Paul that Mr. Jingles ran away. So Paul and John drive to Hal's house. Paul and Hal discuss the sick, what his sick wife Melinda. So Paul tells John that he's going to have the other prison guards over. So at the dinner, Paul tells John uh, talks about John's ability. Paul comes up with an idea to use John to cure Melinda. Percy is reading uh, as the other prison guards drink beer. So Will tells them he deserves he deserves something. Will lies on his bed. Uh, the guards decide to get payback on Percy. So Brutus starts to pull at Percy's ear until he screams. Percy gets thrown in the back room and is gagged. The guards open John's cell and he walks with them. Will grabs him, lets him go and faints. The guards take John to cure Melinda. Hal opens the door with a gun and sees John. 
John enters the house after hearing Melinda yell. John sees her uh, in her bed sick and kisses her to heal her. Uh, Melinda is cured and Paul tells John to stand up. Melinda gives John her necklace. The guards bring John back to the prison and talk about the John's deteriorating health. The guys put John back in the cell and take Percy out of the back room. They ungag Percy and slap him. They let Percy go and John chokes him. Uh, Wasps fly out of Percy's mountain into John's. Uh, Percy is silent and stands outside of Will's cell. So Percy takes his gun and shoots Will. The guards tackle Percy to the floor and flies come out of his mouth. John asks Paul to take his hand so he can see for himself what John is capable of. Then John tries to give Paul the gift that's inside of him. We learn that John did not kill those two girls, but it was in fact Will. Percy is being questioned and Hal asks if uh, Paul, if what ha- happened to Percy is related to Paul, to John, sorry. Uh, Percy is taken to a mental asylum and locked up. John tells Paul uh, not to tell anyone about what happened with John. Paul and Brutus speak to John about his final meal. So Paul tells John about uh, letting him run away. Paul falls. Uh, Paul uh, calls John one of God's true miracles. John says he's never seen a flicker show and they watch Top Hat together. The guards bring John for his execution. The parents of the two dead girls say they hope it hurts like hell. The guards all shed it here as John is shocked to death. So we cut back to present day and Paul, who is finished telling uh, Estelle her, his story, Paul tells Estelle uh, on a walk to the shed and he shows her Mr. Jingles. Paul tells Estelle whatever magic lives in John lives in Mr. Jingles. Then we cut back to 1935 and it was revealed that Paul took Mr. Jingles with him. So Paul says he always thinks about those days. The film ends with Paul saying some, saying sometimes the green mile seems so long. So that was the end of the Green Mile. That was a recap of the Green Mile. So let's talk about it. It was a very, it was a long film. It was very long. It was. It's three hours. Very hefty. It is. It's heavy. It's long and it's heavy. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to be so heavy. Like we knew the like kind of category you were looking up. So yeah. obviously I should have expected it to be like a bit heavy, but like I don't know. I just wasn't prepared for the level of like of of what it was, you know? Yeah. You know, it's not super intense, but it's just a bit like I just wasn't expecting it. I don't know what I expected this movie to be ever. But that's the thing, like I like it's not I don't think it's a forgettable movie, but I forget like if I haven't seen it in a while I kind of forget what happened you get what I mean yeah I know what, yeah and then you watch it again you're like oh shit like this yeah. is what happens yeah I, I know what you mean um it's very I feel like that's a common thread with a lot of movies probably yeah. just your brain blocking it out to be honest <laughs> probably is probably your brain just protecting you yeah um but I don't know where to begin. Oh, um, trigger warning. If anybody hasn't watched this and watches it after this episode, Mr. Jingles is a mouse. He is. Um, and if you are afraid of mice, just be warned. Because I am deathly terrified of mice. Mm-hmm. And halfway, not even halfway, like quarter way through the film, it started to hail sound. And I fully thought there was a mouse in my room. <laughs> um, and I had to run to the bathroom. <laughs> That's my safe space when I think there's a mouse in my room. Um, 
and there wasn't. Uh, some I lock my dog in here sometimes when I think there's a mouse, and because he's a Jack Russell, so he has like primal instinct. So yeah, just trigger warning that if you are really afraid of mice, um, just to be warned that there is a mouse in it, and he's heavily involved. But he turns out to be really cute, so it's okay. Yeah, no, he does. He is. He's really cute, and he's a he's a nice mouse. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe I thought this was an innocent film about a big man and a mouse. I was probably thinking of Mice and Men, but I was a, I was a kid. That's still not. It's not innocent, but, you know, there's innocence to it. Yeah, there is innocence. Well, there's <laughs> innocence to this movie, too. Yeah, definitely. Especially In with John. the sense of John is innocent, but yeah. of all senses. I feel like this would have been a great... I probably, they probably do do it, because, like... Obviously, but like I feel like this is a great like leave insert. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like comparative studies. Yeah. Um, which is like the American and UK equivalent of SATs and Asher England. Do you know what they are? Um, (laughs) SATs, GCSEs, final exams. That's just called. That's what. Yeah, like final exams. So. We do them and we do, we have to p- compare a book and a movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I feel like they have to have this on it, do they? I'd say so. I mean, I wouldn't, that's surprising if they don't. Yeah, it is very surprising if they don't. But um, I just, I was watching it saying to myself, like, this is a leave insert film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, a hundred percent is a film. Like, it just reminds me of, like, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but hmm, I don't know. Like Tom Hanks, really good in it. He's amazing in it. He is. I was only I was meant to Google this before we started. Is he problematic? Who? Tom Hanks. No. All right, good. America's but, sweetheart. How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm just wondering because you never know. Like, you never know. No, not that I know of. I know okay. that a man called Otto. People really enjoyed him and that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I only recently watched A Man Called Otto. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realise Tom Hanks was in this. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching this and I was like, wow, like he, just, he hasn't lost it. Like he hasn't, he's just still so good. Mm. Um. So yeah. Um. Do you have anything to say about it while I gather myself? Well, um, I think it's, I don't think it's a bad film. It's definitely not a bad film. No, I found myself kind of like because it was so long and there was just so much to it. Same with the book as well. Like the book took me ages to get through. Oh, really? I could like I think it's one of Stephen King's weaker works, definitely. Um, I I this is actually the rare instance where the film's actually better than the book. Believe it or not. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, I, I would say so in my opinion. Anyway. Mm. Um. I would say, what was I trying to say? That I kept kind of like drifting off and I don't know why. And then I hear coming back and then I was like, oh no, I missed a bit. So I have to go back and see what I've missed. But like, yeah, I don't know why I kept drifting off because just so much was happening. And I was like, okay, this is just, it wasn't overwhelming. It was just a lot to take on. Yeah, that happened to me at one point. I ended up like just going to send a real quick text back and then I found myself on my phone and it was when um, Will grabbed John in the mm-hmm. cell when he was getting like snuck out of the prison mm-hmm. and um i had to like hopefully rewind the whole scene back because i just wasn't paying yeah, attention no. <laughs> i was like oh god's sakes it only happened to me a few times though um i did have to pause the movie a few times which i feel like helped me 
Yeah, no, it took me a few sittings to get through it. Yeah, like, and it's it's not um it's not rare for me for a movie to take me a few cents to get through. Like that's Same that's with me. just standard for me. Like I have to pause it and go and do something and then come back to it and stuff like that. So like, and even like TV shows, I, I do that all the time. So it's not rare, but I did find myself like needing to do that this time. Yeah, well, I, I, I can see it through one sitting of a film and even then I was like this, I need to keep pausing and coming back to it. Yeah. I did think it was really good though and I thought there's some really nice moments in that and there was some moments that were a bit funny too like like Yeah, no. but like like sad funny as in Yeah. like I, I couldn't really enjoy the funny moments because it was just I just found it really sad film. but um I really liked when they were sneaking John out of prison and he saw the stars. Oh yeah, I loved that scene. That was so cute. And then when he was watching, watching, what what did he call it again? Flicker Uh, top hat. show? Yeah, the flicker show, but Oh. the good old top hat. Yeah, top hat. But the flicker show. And then he was, they made him a little cinema in the prison. Mm. Oh yeah, that's my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, it's so, so, so sweet. You know that this movie, well, like the book is set in like 1932. Yeah. But. Um, Top Hat wasn't out then, so then they had to change that it was 1935. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've read the book. Well, fun fact of the people listening, I guess. Yeah. Because of that. It's a fun fact. Of the people listening, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I know you've read the book. I mean, for everybody, we're not the only two people here. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Obviously not, no. Um, I do have two notes that I wrote down Mm-hmm. while I was watching it. And one was, I was really surprised that Stephen King wrote it. Yeah. I don't know why. Because he's Um, more like, he's very horror. He's not being a horror writer. And this is not a horror film. no, well, no, clear, right. It's not in the sense of like it and all that stuff, right? In that Yeah. sense, it's not a horror film. But technically, it kind of is a horror film in the sense of it's talking about something that is horrific. Yeah. Um and it's a really hard subject. And there was elements like when the bugs was like flying out of his mouth and all, and I was like, Yeah, that's very Stephen King. Yeah. You know, so when I was watching the movie, I was like, Okay, right, I get that. Like that makes sense. But also I was just shocked to see that Stephen King wrote it. Yeah. It, it like it was a kind of a double edged sword, but um yeah. Uh and then my second note was <laughs> So I literally wrote all of what I'm about to say out. Okay. Right. So I was watching the movie and it was like near the start and I was getting annoyed. So I wrote, I'm sorry, I wrote, Percy's a pig. OMG. <laughs> Percy pig. Dot, dot, dot. Percy's a prick. So um, that was my whole thought process. Right. <laughs> Because I was thinking that he was a prick anyway, but I just wrote it down. I just wrote Percy the pig, and then there's sweets called Percy pigs, and then I just I thought it was very funny, um, and I just kept typing, and then I was like, I'll just leave it all, and I'll just write read it out. But yeah, Percy's a prick. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate it, Percy. Percy's the worst. No wonder. I'm so glad he got locked up.
Me too. He deserved it. I, yeah. I feel like he belonged there anyway. Mm. Is he there any celebrity you'd send to the electric chair? <sighs> There's not enough electric chairs. Metaphorical electric chair, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And there's only a few left in the state, so actually, I don't think there is any anymore. I don't think so. I think we might get in trouble for that. No, um, but the lethal injection, <laughs> I'm only messing. Um, that's how they do it now in whatever states that the death penalty is still allowed. Wow, I didn't even know it's just a lethal injection. Yeah, I watch true crime. <laughs> All right, flex. <laughs> <laughs> I've read Stephen King. You can have next on that. <laughs> I actually have never read any of his books, which clearly. Um, yeah, so capital punishment is still a thing. I always forget that the actor who played John is passed away. Yeah, in 2012. Yeah, I always forget he died. It, yeah, I, I... it comes up on Twitter like once a year. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, oh, just to remind you, this person's dead. And I'm like, why did I need to... I mean, it's obviously, it's tragic, obviously, but, you know. Yeah, I was just kind of looking up stuff about the movie and then I saw that he was dead and I was like, oh, mm. it's sad. I don't know, he was brilliant, didn't he? He was amazing. I d- was that the only thing he's ever done, though? No, he's been in so much. Oh, right. Yeah, maybe I should have looked that up, too. But uh, he was so tall. Yeah. Like, he was like nearly two meters tall. Mm. Which... And the character in the book, I mean, they explain why they explain why the character is called coffee or some. I read there's any somewhere. Yeah. Uh, he's called coffee because of the color of his skin. Oh. See, my little brain now didn't. Comprehend. Yeah, I don't think you would have you would have gotten that unless you actually read the book or like looked this up. Yeah. Oh. Well, then that's ruined it. Well, it's not ruined it. It did. They they touch on it in the book and stuff. Yeah, I know, but I'm just like it's not, it's not really on, is it? Like I know it was set in like the 1930s and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, some of the jargon I was a bit like, oh, but then I was like, we can't. It's part you have of to remember, yeah. Yeah, we have to remember it. Stuff like this happened all the time. Stuff like this still happens, but it shouldn't. But yeah, it definitely sure. happened back then. So I was like, you just have to grin and bear it. Um, but I did really like. I did really like when he was like, "My name is John Coffee, like the drink, but spelled differently. differently." Oh, that's my favorite line. <laughs> so cute, so sweet. I love John's innocence. Yeah, me too. He was. I just wanted to wrap him up in like cotton wool and be like, "No, you stay." I'm actually. That's why I don't really. I do like films. Obviously, I do like them, but like, I thought I get really annoyed because like, why couldn't you just lived? Yeah, it's a fictional story. Make a fictional ending. Mm. And I know it's to touch on like that. This happens all the time, and blah blah blah, 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 blah whatever. I know, but I don't want them to die. Okay. Hmm. And now he's dead in real life, which makes it even sadder. Yeah. So I'm just sad about all of that. And I, I'm not really, like, mm, death freaks me out. So I hate when I watch stuff that makes me ponder it. <laughs> okay. So I'm probably going to have a panic text tonight. I'm, anyway. sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. About two seconds ago, you said, uh, I'm the true crime bitch. <laughs> I know I am. I am. But I, like, 
that why do you think my anxiety is in overdrive all the time? <laughs> <laughs> it's not healthy. It's not good for me. I am. I literally had a, a tab open just before I, I clicked onto the Zoom thing, and it was like um YouTube, and it was a video, and I'm not going to discuss the story, but um it was very harrowing, and her name was the same as mine. This is some girl so, that died. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting case. Um, her her dad married her and then killed her, but yeah, it really happened. I'll, I'll <laughs> fill in later, but um, I'm not laughing. That's awful. But yeah, that, that is. I'm laughing at Evan's face. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, he's just kind of talking about it. Like, Whoa. Yeah, but but that's what I mean. Like I do watch it all the time, but I have touched on this before. I don't like this habit that I've gotten myself into because. I find it harder to watch fiction, hmm. crime stuff than real. Yeah. And I, I don't like that about Whereas myself. I'm the other way. Yeah. And I think that's the healthier way. But like in a way, I feel like these videos like inform us and they give us like informed like ways to like keep ourselves safe and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good. And while it's shit because somebody has like passed away or whatever or like has been attacked and all this stuff. I feel like a lot of it has shown me warning signs and being like, okay, maybe look out for this or maybe like in friends relationships and stuff. It's like, maybe look out for these stuff. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I like it. And I think I just like the people that talk about it, but yeah, basically death really scares me. And um, so this film, like it was nice, but it was also like everyone died in it. And I don't like that. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, that is completely fair. Yeah. Like and then but then I did think it was really nice because at the end of the film, like um Paul's character or Tom's character, Paul, was like, This was my punishment for for let for like killing John was so that I live and see everybody else around me die. Mm-hmm. and I live on and then I was like oh well now I have a new fear unlocked of living for like a hundred years and seeing everyone around me die I was like brilliant <laughs> I know I had that before but now I do and <laughs> but it did really put stuff into perspective for me because I was like yeah because while I'd like we always say oh I'd love to live forever I was like shit I don't want to live forever anymore <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I think Evan's worried about me. We've unpacked a lot in the Green Mile episodes. What? We've unpacked so much about you in a Green Mile episode. Oh, guys, this is my therapy, I swear. Um, <laughs> just can charge me for this. There we go. I'll pay you all. Uh, but, yeah, only... Um, six out of fifty states in America used capital punishment last year. I didn't even realize that was still a thing. Yeah, Alabama, Arizona, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas all used capital punishment last year. Well, that's not cool. No, well, that just sparks the age old debate. Yeah, well, I suppose, but I, I can't really get into that. I don't really know much about it, though. <laughs> no, but no, 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 I'm not starting to debate, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's like it sparks it, like as in, take this film, for example, there's innocent people on death row and there's the very, 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 very guilty people who should be killed. And I'm really glad that in the film, Will was killed. 
Absolutely, yeah. I think he deserved it. He was a prick. Didn't like him. Um, didn't like that moon pie scene. That was not nice. Oh god, that was so gross. Yeah, it was the spitting was one of the worst parts of this movie for me. Yeah. It's like stop spitting. Ugh. It's so gross. It is really gross. I hate spitting. But um Yeah. Um Well I'm glad I'm glad he died and I kind of when like I liked the way that the fil- like the way the film was laid out. Mm-hmm. Like I like that. I love a movie where we get the end at the beginning. Yeah, no, that's good. I love that. I lo- I've always liked that in movies where like, and then it all ties in at the end, and you're like, oh, that makes. Do you know what? I love that. That's my favorite. I'm like, yes, love that. That was great. And then I love when a like real time story goes into the past again. Love that. And then they were they were back at the table, kind of like the Titanic. Love that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of similarities to Titanic. Mm. And then I loved the when John was like, hold my hand, and then um Paul saw what happened. Mm-hmm. And the way we didn't see everything, but we saw enough. And oh, it was just mm, a chef's kiss. That um layout of the film, brilliant. Do you think so, they should have explained more as to what the Paul, not the, not the Paul, the John situation was? What do you mean? Like with the flies and stuff and the fact that he could, you know, resurrect like a tiny mouse, you know, whatever that supernatural ability was. Yeah, I think they, for the time, unpacked as much as they could. I think they were just like, he's just a miracle. Yeah. Was there more in the book about that? No. Not really, no. They don't really touch on that that much. I think he's just meant to be like a miracle healer. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's much more to that. But another thing I liked before I answer your question was when uh, John got into the cell and then said, I tried to take it back, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then when we saw him holding the girls, I was like, oh, my God, he didn't kill them. He was trying to save them. Yeah. He was trying to take it back off them. Like he found them and he's trying to bring them back. Um. And then I just thought that was a really nice touch. I was like, oh. But, yeah, I think they were just like, nah, he's just a miracle. I, I would have liked to know more about the story, but I do feel like the bugs were like the evil. Yeah. Or like the bad going into him. He's taking it and then he's getting rid of it and it's bugs. Yeah. Because then he puts it into... Percy and Percy shoots your man and then is never the same again. So I think he just gave the the evil like back. Yeah, no, I yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Mm, I think like that bit was very biblical. Yeah, actually a lot of it was quite biblical. Yeah, but I think that was also because of the time. Yeah. Um, because I was actually thinking this today. Today's Ash Wednesday. Oh yeah, that's true. In Ireland, which is a Catholic holiday. Catholic is well, I suppose is a Christian as well. I don't know. It's religious, right? Whatever, yeah. But I don't know. Were you were you raised in forced religion? No. Or was that just me? Okay, it was just me then. Not just me, but I mean in this scenario. So Kevin wasn't either. Um, but I was like really forced into religion, like as a child by school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um and 
I remember, like, I used to get excited on Ash Wednesday, you know. <laughs> I think it's Ash Wednesday, and I'd, the priest would come in and put the ashes on your head, and I'll only be in scared. Like, I got my ashes and all. Mm-hmm. But it's so weird. Like, it's I was only literally, I was in the car, and I was driving, and I saw some woman, and she just had a load of dirt on her head. And I was like, what's that? I was like, oh, it's Ash Wednesday. And then I was just thinking back to, like, when I was just forced into religion as a child, and I just thought it was very funny because, like, even around Christmas and Easter and all, Kevin will just ask me questions because he's not christened or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and never done anything like that in school. And he just asks me, where, and I can answer them. Yeah, I know everything about it. And I'm like, this is just weird. So when I was watching the film, I was like, this is a very, very biblical film. Yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure if I have any more to say. I think I've said all I need to say, but any... yeah, I, I think I have too. Yeah. Yeah, so if we have anything, we'll work it in. But before, so I'll just want to talk about if you've read the book, then you'll notice with any kind of book to film adaptation, there's differences, things to keep in, things to take out, you know, the gist. So we're going to talk about the differences between the movie version and the book version of The Green Mile. So this is a, so I got this article on Looper. Um, So the first title is The Book Has an Even Sadder Ending. The Green Mile is known for its uh, devastating ending that almost makes the movie too sad to finish. There are no last-minute rescues or fun plot twists here as the innocent John Coffey has resigned to his impending death and is executed in an electric chair. Around around him, the guards try to hold back tears, not all of them succeeding. It's basically the polar opposite of a feel-good Disney movie ending. So, of course, the book finds a way to make it even more depressing. After heartbreaking execution and some gloomy president's uh, present day dialogue at the retirement home the movie ends with the elderly Paul outliving Elaine and, mu- and music on his apparent uh, curse to live longer than any- anyone he cares about the book follows similar beats except for one last punch, after Elaine dies the reader finds out that Paul's wife Jan played by Bonnie Hunt died in, the ar- died in his arms after a dramatic bus accident in 1956 and that he experienced a vision of a ghostly uh, and that he creates a vision of a ghostly John watching the scene. The powerful tragic event adds a layer of terror and loneliness to the life of this old man, as well as a new aspect uh, to John's otherworldly nature. Hmm. That would have been too sad. Yeah, I'm glad they kept that out. Hmm. Yeah, not a big fan of that. Although... I do. I have something interesting to say, but I'm not going to say just because I don't want to spoil anything for other movies. But I'm just saying, um, that's just interesting to know that she was hit by a bus or a bus accident. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a different movie, but it's not. What? I'm thinking of a different movie, but it's not. I'm thinking of Mean Girls. Oh, no. Yeah. Different <laughs> One is very tragic. <laughs> no, there was. Um, a similar scene in one of Tom Hanks's other movies, and I'm just like, huh, interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So this next one, uh, Mr. Jingles dies in the book. Um, for a relatively slow-paced uh movie, The Green Mile features plenty of deaths and cruel fates. Inmate Edward Del Delacroix is by no means an innocent man, but his arc in the film wouldn't be out of place in a horror movie. Del becomes the target of a cruel guard, Percy Wetmore. Uh, who breaks the prisoner's fingers and sabotages his execution to the tune of one of the most awful electric chair scenes ever filmed. And then there's Dale's pet mouse, Mr. Jingles. 
which Percy kills, uh, which Percy kills. John famously resurrects the animal, and the movie ends with the shock reveal that Mr. Jingles appears to be alive and well in the year 1999, 64 years after the events at the Cold Mountain Penitentiary. This is an absolute, this is an absolute impossible age for a mouse which can live up to three years in a laboratory conditions. It also, it's also a truly terrifying prospect for Paul, who's over 100 years old and has also been infused with John's energies. After all, the mouse's continue, the mouse, after all, the mouse's continue existence means that he too might live indefinitely while he still gets to physically older and older. So in the book, Mr. Jingles is still alive during Paul's time in the retirement home. However, as a small, sad ray of hope, it dies shortly before Elaine does. So while Mr. Jingles and Paul both have unnaturally long lifespans, there's an implication that Paul won't have to endure this lonely existence for all of eternity. Hmm. I like that they kept the mouse alive. Yeah. See, I see. that's what I mean. It's like the film's actually better. Yeah, I actually, I thought that Mr. Jingles was dead at the end of it, so that just goes to show how much my brain was working. Um, I thought they was they panned on it while it was dead, and I was like, mm, a bit morbid, but okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cool that he was alive. Happy for him. Happy for Mr. Jingles. Yeah. Where is he now? Uh- <laughs> Maybe in the circus. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, so next up, John Coffey is uh, even bigger in the book. So it's almost impossible to imagine anyone else but the late, great Michael Clark Duncan as John Coffey, the massive yet gentle uh, death row inmate. Even so, the hulking actor can't quite feel the the dungarees of the book version of this character. In the novel, the doomed giant is an imposing six six foot eight man mountain, which is enough to uh, dwarf even the six foot five Duncan. In fact, there may be some strange parallel universe in which Duncan never played the role, according to George Beam's book, Stephen King, From A to Z. The author originally envisioned basketball maestro Shaquille O'Neal as John Coffey, while the seven foot one Shaq would doubt- doubtlessly have been an excellent physical fit for the role. It might have been a bit distracting to see the NBA legend in this film. Besides, for a performance like Duncan's, it's well worth shaving a few inches off the character. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Shaq would do this as much justice. And no, definitely not. I feel like he could, um, would say that himself. Yeah. Because it'd be dumb to say anything otherwise because um, he is amazing, the, the guy who played with John. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't see Shaq in this role. Not, not no. I just thought about, there's a movie Shaquille O'Neal called Is It Kazam or something? Where he plays a genie. That's all I was thinking about. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Leave it to uh, Michael Clark Duncan, please. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So you mentioned this earlier, but I'll just let's just touch on it again. So the film Top Hat isn't in the book. So the 1935 Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers joint Top Hat is responsible for the Green Mile's first tearjerker at the very beginning of the movie and kicks off the movie's climatic series of heartbreaking scenes. Top Hat shakes up the elderly Paul in 1999, prompting him to recount the events of the past to Elaine. Later, we see the guards uh, solemnly watch the movie with John just just before his execution after finding out that the inmate has never seen a film in his life. It's an incredibly touching scene that provides uh, poor John a measure of wonder and whimsy, as well as gives the filmmakers a nice opportunity to frame a projector halo around this saintly man's head. Where we don't expect to find this in the book, instead of a spoken tale, King frames the story as a memoir of Paul 
is writing before giving the finished pages to, for Elaine to read. As such, there's no real need to jumpstart the story with the first top hat scene. Besides, the prison scene of the book version happens in 1932 when the movie was not out yet. Hmm. So, yeah, I forgot the book was in first person. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's meant to be like his uh, Paul's memoir. But obviously, and so then they added Top Hat in later on. So Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I knew that from kind of looking it up online. That's why they had to change the the dates, like, of when yeah. it was and stuff. So uh, this is the final one. So the movie omits one of the book's most awful characters. So the Green Mile has two notable antagonists. Wild Bill Borton uh, is an absolute un- unrepentant monster who is uh, secretly committed the terrifying crimes John is accused of. Meanwhile, Percy Wetmore is a spoiled rich kid guard who, with a mean streak and penchant for sadism, John ends up taking care of both characters uh, by transferring Melinda Moore's brain humor to Percy. Which, uh, causes, which causes the guard to shoot Wharton and get locked up in an asylum. Meanwhile, the book features a third villain in the old Paul part of the story. Brad Dolan is an ord- orderly at the retirement home and shares many traits with the rootless Percy, only he's far more of a direct threat for the frail Paul whom he harasses, who he, whom he harasses with abandon. Fortunately, Elaine eventually puts Dolan in his place by revealing that her grandson is a powerful state-level politician who can who can cause serious problems for care home employees who don't behave. Hmm. So it's just a character that wasn't in the movie. Hmm. That's fine. So uh, now we're going to talk about the success of The Green Mile. Pretty damn successful. <laughs> Would you believe uh, it? Uh, I 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means... Higher than rent. Absolutely. The film made $286 million at the box office against a budget of $60 million. So, pretty hefty. And it was nominated for four Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Sound. Oh. So, all good things. All good things. So, um, so now it's time. <laughs> School is in session. As per usual. It's time for a pop quiz all about the Green Mile. Yay. So, 10 questions for Katie, all about the Green Mile. Uh, Katie, are you ready? I am ready. So question one, this is a multiple choice. Okay. What movie triggers Paul into remembering his days uh, as a prison guard? Was it Top Hat, Some Like It Hot, The Wizard of Oz, or Casablanca? It was Top Hat. It was Top Hat. So, question two: Which guard got the nickname Brutal? The blonde, the tall blonde one. What's his name? It's pretty close to Brutal. Bruce. Brutus. Oh, Brutus. Yeah. I just know he was the tall one. Yeah. I know a lot of them were very interchangeable for me. Um, Mm. Question three: How many of Dell's fingers did Percy break? Two. Three. Oh, I was going to say yeah. Oh. So, question four, multiple choice. What kind of food did Paul give John? Was it muffins, cornbread, donuts, or cookies? Cornbread. I knew you'd get that one right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question five. Uh, what was the name of the mouse? 
Wait, no, I know. I know. Wait, no, I know. Shit. <laughs> um. Think Christmas. No. Oh, Evan, I'm really after forgetting. How? <laughs> no, I know. I see. This is what I don't understand. Wait, no, Mister. Mister. It was Mister something, wasn't it? Yeah. Think what are your car keys. Think about if you shake your car keys. What sound does it make? <laughs> Mister Jingles. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Mister Slick, but I was like, no, that's Mister Slick. Slick. I really was like Mr. Slick, but it's not. It wasn't. It was Mr. I really forgot. <laughs> this is that why is we do this, guys, right? See, yes, it is. <laughs> I literally, it was an hour ago I finished this movie and I said the name multiple times, but it was <laughs> Mr. Jingles. <laughs> so, who steps on Mr. Jingles? Oh, um, Percy. Yes. I remember that. Question seven, true or false? The film won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Oh, true. It's false. Unfortunately, it did not. Mm, that's alright. Uh, question eight, who wrote the novel the film is based off? Stephen King. That is correct. Question nine, what did John tell Paul that he's never seen? Um, a. I... I know it was a movie, but I feel like you're looking for the actual word. You, I can accept movie. That's fine. Okay, movie. Yeah, so it's a flicker show or a film or a movie, whatever you want to call it. I think of flickergram. <laughs> my, my brain likes to make things up. John has never seen an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Not long. Question 10, uh, final one, and it is multiple choice. What does John always say about his last name? Does he say, it's from my father's side? It's my middle name? It's not my real last name? Or like the drink, but not spelled the same? Like the drink, but not, but not spelled the same. Best line of any movie ever, truly. Oh, so sweet. Okay, so next up, we're going to put the green mile on our pop scale. We rank it out of five, based on this place in pop culture, and how much you like it. Katie, out of five, what do you give the green mile? I give it a four, and the reason I'm not giving it a five is just because it was very long, and mm -hmm. it was quite intense, but mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it, and, like, it came out in 2000, it still stands, mm -hmm. it's a great movie, um, really well written, really well directed, and I really enjoyed it. What about you? I'm going to give it a four as well, similar mm -hmm. reasons. The reason I'm not giving it a full five is because it's very long, took me a while to get through, had to kind of leave and come back to it a few times. Uh, Very beautiful Beautifully written, beautiful acted, yeah. set, uh, production design, all every all the amazing qualities of an amazing film, mm. and uh, yeah, I think it's a great story, and yeah, I think like you were saying, it should be taught in schools for final exams. So there, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's perfect. So next up, we're going to talk about what's popping, meaning what we're enjoying in terms of pop culture. Katie, what's popping with you? So I started listening to the Wizards of Waverly podcast. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um. So I think I've listened to one and two. So I have to listen to three because that's all that's out at the minute. But I thought it was really good. Um. I really liked their dynamic, David and Jennifer. Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to be like Harper, but uh, no. Jennifer. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I'm also, of course, 
um, loving Perfect Match. <laughs> of course, I've watched most of the shows that most of the people are in the villa from, so I know all of them. So I'm like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I'm really enjoying that stupid trash TV. But look, I'm caught up and I'm waiting for the new episodes to come out. It's the only. The only thing I'll catch up on is like trash reality TV, except for Love Island. But Netflix trash reality. Yeah. Love it. I don't know why. I do. Um but other than that, yeah, nothing else really popping me. What about you? Um, okay, so I'd probably say the 1975 just because I got a ticket. Yeah. Um what else is there? Just my usual podcast, Call an Adult, Flop Culture, Wizards Waverly Pause, Sofa Cinema Club. Uh, let me just see here. I have to go to my phone every time, and I need to start writing these down. <laughs> um, let's see. I might really. I'm still watching Girl Meets World. Really enjoying that. Nearly finished. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not really watching anything right now at the minute. Right. So I'll have a better answer for you when uh next week when we I do finally watch something. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. Okay, so Katie, where can the people find us? People can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Make It A Podcast. You can give us a little review on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify if you so wish. And if any of your family and friends want a new podcast to listen to, they can find us anywhere they get their podcasts. Yeah, so that was our episode on The Green Mile and you'll hear from us next week. Bye.